When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to Ace Podcast Nation, the hottest new podcast network and YouTube channel in the UK. Featuring original series, top guests, expert analysts and more. Check out facebook.com forward slash Nation for news on latest guests and shows. Watch every show in full at youtube.com forward slash Nation. Hello, this is Aaron the King Khalid, future K-Droyers welterweight champion. If you're into podcasts that talk about MMA and general MMA chit-chat, then Ace Podcast Nation is the one for you. Go on to YouTube, like and subscribe, and every Wednesday they do a Danny Batten fight talk show, which breaks down the cards previously to that week and future matchups following that fight show. So yeah, it's a great, great podcast. Like I said, like, subscribe and give it a listen. Guys, I'm Sai, and welcome to Ace Podcast Nation, the home of the Danny Batten Fight Show. This is episode number 60, and uh, we'll be talking last night's UFC, including uh, Conor McGregor versus Dustin Poirier, among other things, as well as uh, having a nice good chat to our guest. Uh, as usual, you can watch this show and all our other series on uh, Ace Podcast Nation's YouTube, youtube.com slash Ace Podcast Nation. Subscribe, click the bell. And you can get the audio versions at all the usual uh, podcast and radio platforms. Just search Ace Podcast Nation. And there's about 350 different shows, series on all sorts of subjects. But uh, with no further ado, first of all, former Cage Warriors champion, UK MMA legend. It is Mr. Danny Button. How are you, mate? You okay? Yes, I'm good. Uh, yep. Still managing to train. That's, that's the main thing. Just want to get some training in and managing to do that. So, thanks, thank God. Yeah, just be grateful you got that little semblance of sanity, mate. I think. Yeah. Because uh, it feels like they could take it away at any any second. I've got to be honest. 
That's right. Yeah. To nothing. You so, have to. Uh, you have to have so many things in place to be able to do any kind of training at the minute. You have to. Yeah, you have to do it really yeah. transparently. Yeah, it's a tough one, and uh, we are delighted to be joined by our special guest this evening. He is uh, Cage Warriors flyweight champion Jake Hadley. How goes it, my friend? Yeah, man, I'm good, man. How's you? How's, how's you two? All right, man. We're good. good we are good. On the back yes. of. Uh, some good fights last night and uh, we're looking forward to having a chat with you mates really because um, we've had a few guests over the over the months and episodes for all different uh, promotions and uh, we're looking forward to just having a chat with you about uh, your career and your, obviously your, your newly acquired title maybe what's uh, what's going to be happening with you and stuff but uh, how are you anyway like generally yeah you're settling in to being a, a double champion <laughs> Yeah, man, I'm I'm good. Um, just you know, normal. Just going to the gym, uh, you know, twice a day, six days a week. So everything's just, you know, it's just normal for me. Um, at the minute, so yeah, I'm do all you, good. Um, do you reckon you're gonna be? Are you gonna be fighting on the uh, the Cage Wallace trilogy in March? Um, I don't know at the at the moment. Um, it's it's obviously a struggle for me to get an opponent, as in. Um, everybody, everyone in Europe who's who's at the top, I've either beat them or beat the guy that beat them. You know what I mean? So it's yeah, kind of yeah. like they haven't really got anyone for me really who who any who they could put in with me. You know, and they, and actually sell the fight because you know anyone to put in with me at the minute, I think you know would be a terrible underdog. You know what I mean? They wouldn't even it'd be an hard fight to sell. You know what I'm trying to say? So. Yeah, um, I you know, there's yeah. there's no one on a win streak, you know, apart from guys I've beat, have gone back on a win streak, you know. Uh, so, and yeah, there's there's not a lot for me. They're, they're gonna have to bring a foreigner in if I'm gonna fight. Um, but um, I don't know, I don't know if I'm gonna be or at the moment. Mm, so just, is that leaving you a bit frustrated, or you know, if if the case of a lesser opponent does come up, are you still gonna take it and? And how would that make you feel during your training? Is still going to find you're motivated for that, or you know, how would that affect you? Um, I don't know if they'd find if they could find me. Um, obviously, if they come back with something stupid, I don't know, like a guy who's like, I don't know, for instance, five and two or something like. that. Obviously, I just wouldn't take that fight. It just owed nothing mm-hmm. for me. But like, if they come back with a guy with um, a decent record or whatever, and he's got some sort of pedigree behind him, then. You know, obviously we'll take the fight, but even then, you know, yeah, the, it's hard to sell a fight really with anyone. For me at the moment, um, realistically, I should be in the UFC, I believe. Um, yeah, you know, I'm with the top management in the world, really. Paradigm Sport Management. Um, they are the top guys in the world, but you know, due to this COVID, it's an odd situation at the moment. So maybe yeah. I might have to take a fight, but. As 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 far as motivation goes, um, I'm always in the gym, training yeah. twice a day, six days a week. You know, I was even thinking to myself the other day, oh, I'm basically in a camp. I might as well be. I might as well be in a camp. You know what I mean? Because I'm mm-hmm. I'm training that much. I'm thinking to myself, well, I might as well, might as well be in a camp. You know what I mean? Yeah. Getting ready yeah. to beat someone up because I'm training like like I am. Um, so. 
you know, I don't, I don't mind fighting, but obviously it's got to be something with, with my um, time. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I've got a few questions because I've always wanted to talk to you. I've sort of seen you around on the circuit and, and what have you, and I saw you after you know you had your um, excellent, uh, amazing performance win over Luke Shanks. Um, you know, um, after that fight, obviously there's a lot of build-up, wasn't there? Uh, almost yeah. bordering on animosity between you, which made great for build-up. And, you know, I really got caught up in it. I was thinking this is just going to be absolutely fantastic. But, um, you know, it, it was like you were stamping on a fag. You really, you know, put the flame out. And, and you know, if yeah. anyone allows someone like Luke to, to get active with his strike and with his cardio, he could be an absolute nightmare. But you, you really shut him down. Was this something that was a, a game plan of yours? Or did, is it something that you just you shot in and it felt right and you felt like, okay, that's just going to be my go-to? You know, what, what was the whole idea and do you feel that it's put the animosity to bed now that you've got the victory? Um, as far as that animosity with Luca, really, I had no animosity towards him, really. I just spoke my opinion of the guy, which was, my opinion was of him and his skill set and the way he fought, his thought processes, because I thought like, you know, his thought process, he was coming off a bit dumb, like, you know, he's moving a bit dumb. I felt like he was dumb. So when I was saying that, that's because of my, my opinion of him and the things he said and the stuff he did in the lead up before the fight. Obviously, we had this situation in the lift and he's, and he, he, you know, he's going on mad in the lift, wanting to get into fights and stuff. And I can see him thinking, going to, to hit me and stuff. So that was just my opinion of him. Uh, and my opinion of his skills, um, which I said in interviews, kind of went, was was how the fight went really um you know i've got too much fight iq for that for that guy um i got too much fight brain for him i feel like i'm all rounded and um i'm a clever fighter i don't take risks and i could and i'm technically better in him better than him in every aspect of the game you know obviously i felt like his game plan was to be to get me down to the ground and hold me down and try to use his strength and his power because he's big for the weight and he cuts a lot of weight. So that's what I felt like his game plan was to try to take me down and lie on me. Um, you know, he got he got he got wild and 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 the takedowns was there, so I took it. You know, because I'm a smart mm-hmm. fighter. I ain't gonna get into no pub brawl with no one. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, which you, is so yeah. Coming up. Because I, obviously I trained with Luke uh, a lot in his mm-hmm. early part of his career, so I know what he's like as a character and. He is someone that, you know, he would fight someone on the street if it comes. He's got that mentality. But, you know, you do talk about fight IQ. And something that I think let Luke down in trying to make that fight look closer than it was, was the fact that I think he got so invested emotionally. And it's like he wanted to run over and expected you to just throw down as he threw down. But, of course, you still saw it as the sport of MMA, which I think is what let Luke down a little bit. You're in there not because it's an actual fight because you're doing a sport and, and and with a sport you've got to have strategy and planning and you've got to take the easiest and the safest route to get your victory do you feel that he got so invested in it with with his emotions that that's partly what let him down and allowed you to just keep nailing takedown because it's not not like you had to work for the takedown you're hitting them pretty damn clean yeah well um i feel like as well like he kind of like ran out of options like after the um after like look like, like the first or maybe the second round, maybe. After either the first or the second round, I feel like he'd run out of options by then, like as in, um, you know, he, he, he caught me with one shot and then he come running in. I think, you know, 
he, he, he thought he hurt me or something and tried to finish me so the takedown was there. But then after that, obviously, once he started once once he started losing, then he ran out of options because he felt, obviously, he, he got me down at one point. But, mm. you know, after feeling him on top of me, I knew he'd, ne- he'd never have a chance of, of being able to keep me on my back. So it was just easy work from there of me being able to sweep him and put him back on his back. Um, yeah. So... In my opinion, I feel like he ran out of options. Like he had no other option but to run at me, because even if he come in there and tried to strike me properly, tried to technical strike me, he would have got banged out. In my opinion, mm. yeah. In, uh, on a technical stri- striking standpoint, he would have got beat. In my opinion, the way he needed to win the fight really was to fight like that, to hope I get mm. uh, in in the pocket with him and exchange with him and get caught, because mm-hmm. on a technical standpoint. He's not on my level on a technical standpoint. That's just how it is. Um, but obviously, if you get into some sort of brawl, you can, anyone can get caught in it. Anyone can get catched. If I went mm. down the road, I had a street fight with a random dude and just stood in the pocket with him, mm-hmm. he could me, you know what I mean? So you, yeah. And, you know, and, and when this was done and, and you had your hands lifted and obviously you knew you'd won it, I think we all knew that it was a, a really convincing win. Um you know, was there anything said? Did he congratulate you? You know, do you feel that he was quite honourable in his defeat, or was there still uh, an attitude going on between you, where where something further down the line could perhaps erupt again? Um, would, would you feel that it was left on good terms in the end? Yeah, well, I feel like obviously, um, you know, he congratulated me. Uh, I I said, but you know, good fight to him. He's a, he's obviously I've been in the cage room. I know he's a. He's a tough lad, you know what I mean? He, he has no quit in him. That's one thing you can say about Luke, yeah? He's got no quit in him. What He's got not one bit of quit in him, you know what I mean? He's a fighter through and through. Um, you know, and you got to respect that, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but there's more to fighting than being tough and having heart. Absolutely, I, mean? I, I totally agree mm-hmm. with that. I, I've had this sort of like, I, I've been at loggerheads in the past with students that think that toughness and durability it is something to, to behold, and, and it is, but it's only one part of the equation that keeps you in the fight to be relevant, but it don't win you fights. You've got to be smart, and you talk about that a lot, and, you know, that's yeah. really impressive when, with your young years. You know, you you know, you know obviously carry a mature head on young shoulders, and, you know, I think you're going to go far, and I absolutely think you're knocking on the door for UFC, and I really think that's truly your only option because you're exactly right in what you say with your career. Um, I look back at some of the people you've beaten who there's – left for you to fight um and there's no really excitable option for you so yeah. yeah definitely ufc and if ufc does come about have you got any ideas on what kind of opponent you would uh, like to be having your introduction to ufc in? is there anyone you got your eye on and you'd be like yeah i'd like to fight that guy i've be able to showcase my skills well well um to be fair i don't mind fighting anyone as in like they can give me a top 10 top 15 guy straight away to be honest mm. with you, I feel like I could beat all these guys straight away. Um, you know, but I ain't really too fussed with, with, with who, who they give me, to be honest. Um, you know, because I'm a cage warrior and an EFC champion, I feel like maybe they'd, they'd, they'd throw me to the deep end straight away because I'm a two promotional champ. But yeah, when yeah. I'm okay and I feel like, you know, these guys... this. You, yeah, I beat Shanks, I've beat this guy, I beat that guy, but all these guys I've been beating, the last four four opponents I've beat, they're all UFC level opponents. Mm. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, 
for instance, if me and Shanks was in America now, we'd be in the UFC. You know what I mean? We yeah. wouldn't have that. We wouldn't Agreed. have that. Um, you know, it's kind of like a bad thing in a way that me and Shanks have me, Shanks, and you know, Hack, and all these other lads who I fought have had to fight because I've literally put them off off the UFC now for a couple of years. You know, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But we all could have been in the UFC if we was in America. You know what yeah. I mean? Because they, they, what they do is I feel like they pick up the guys what are local to the show. You know, local to the mm-hmm. Vegas show or whatever. They pick them up a bit quicker than they do the the Europeans, you know what I mean? So, um, you know, I feel like all these guys I've been beating would be in the UFC and be doing well in the UFC, you know? Yeah, yeah. Ha- you know, Hacks fought um, that Zulu Gas or whatever his name is. He fought on um, UFC last night. Yeah. yeah. You know, right, the yeah. decision to Amir Albazi. But uh, Hack lost a razor close. I thought he won it. In that guy's backyard, split decision. You know what I mean, right? So, so that just shows you that these guys are mm. UFC level, UFC caliber. Guys. Yeah, yeah. I, I think we've are. touched on that. Uh, we've said that, haven't we, Si? About uh, cage yeah. warriors. I think anyone that's in contention for titles and title holders who fought for the title previously on uh, cage warriors, um, they've they all are absolutely relevant to be in UFC. You're absolute world class. Um, but you had your experience uh, um, out in South Africa, didn't you? And um, you know, I've been out to that pr- promotion two or three times with Fraser Opie uh, back a good few years ago now. Um, you know, what did you make of that promotion and, and the level of fighters out there? Because that's sort of like their own little UFC that they have out there. It, like, it's quite big, isn't it, out there? But we don't yeah. see much of it on the world stage regards its um, advertisement and what have you. It doesn't have a lot of attention. But wh- how did you feel it was out there, level-wise yeah. and experience? Like, the EFC, like, I don't know what you call it, like, um, do they call it production or something like that, as in, like, like the Wayne and and, and, and now the show's ran and the Countdown mm. show and it's it's proper. It's like, it's like, mm. it's like a UFC and yeah, that's how I was like, impressed with how they run it out there. Mm, I, I was quite like, impressed with with it. It's like really big as well, like as in like everyone knows who 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 you are in the street when you walk the streets. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it was a bit hostile for me because you know um, I was fighting Zulu, but yeah. um, mm. you know it's really big out there, and and their fighters are good as well, man. The, like Zulu mm. boy, in my opinion, yeah. Zulu boy was in Cage Warriors. It banged all these guys out. First round knockout. Mm. No doubt in my mind. Um, you know, just because Shanks went five... Just because I've beat uh, Zulu boy, yeah, and Shanks went five rounds with me, don't mean Zulu wouldn't knock him out in the first round. I think Zulu would knock yeah. him out in the first round. You know, mm-hmm. he's just got that... Sh- Shanks ran at him like he tried to run at me. He'd bang him. He'd knock him out easy. Yeah. I think Zulu's a tough, tough... Tough guy. I mean, that guy should have been in the UFC as well. Yeah. You know, because it, it costs so much to fly him over from Africa and stuff. You know, but that fight against Zulu boy has put me to where I am today. It gave me so much experience fighting him. Yeah. It's got so 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 much fight IQ that guy has. The tricks he was doing to me in the cage, like. Even a funny thing, like he was poking me in the eye and stuff, hiding it, poking me in the eye. I thought, oh, man, that's that's really good, that is. You know, that's what I was thinking of the fight. Sneaky bastard, you know what I mean? Poking me in the eye and that. I thought, you know, you know, 
I learned a lot from fighting him, and he's mm. definitely a top guy. And that and EFC is a top show, but um, it is, yeah. You know, is is I've that not? Where, how did you, how did you Sorry, go on, sir. How did you come to fight on the EFC? Like and go to South Africa, like obviously pretty much other side of the world. Like how did you, a uh, guy from the UK, come to end up going to fight over there? Um, so what it is is um, I've had a few teammates fight on there before. I've had um, Yannick Bahati. He, he was the EFC middleweight champion. He also went on to become Bama middleweight champion as well. I've had uh, Joe Cummins, who was my teammate at the time as well. He became EFC lightweight champion. Um, so I had a few guys from my gym in, in, in Birmingham fight on the EFC. Um, and what my problem was when I was like coming up, is I couldn't get a fight in the UK. Um, I couldn't. It was I was struggling real, real bad to get opponents um, to get fights. You know what I mean? I was getting pull out after pull out after pull out. I had pull outs my whole entire amateur career, and I was just realistically, I was only three and oh, coming off a late notice win against Reece Street, you know what I mean? Like, mm. And I went from being 3-0 to jumping in a world title fight with a guy who's had 15 pro fights who was on the Ultimate Fighter, you know, and went travelled the other side of the world to fight him because I couldn't get fights. That was the main reason. I, 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 I was forced into fighting these top guys straight away because I couldn't get fights, you know what I mean? Mm. Um, but obviously I knew I could beat him and all, and all that. I, I was... You know, I know, I know, I know my skill level and stuff, but um, that's how I got to the EFCs. Basically, I couldn't get fights in the UK. I couldn't even get on Cage Warriors. I couldn't even get on there for a fight. I couldn't get nowhere, so I had to go EFC. And um, yeah, and is that know, not is that not an option for you? Like to perhaps go if you're a bit frustrated and it takes some time to to get a worthy opponent to defend your Cage Warriors title. Is possibly going out there to defend your title there? Is that something you consider? Um, what it, what it was with um, EFC is um, I, I fought and I won the belt on EFC, and um, then they was then they was getting contenders ready for me and this and that, and then unfortunately they come into money money problems, money troubles, um, uh, and um, and then they put me on the sidelines for a while, so I fought on Bellator, and then they still couldn't afford to pay me. To, to fly out and fight and this and that. Right. So, you know, I spoke with them and they, and, and they decided to let me go. And then, uh, okay, I didn't know this. And, and and obviously now I've signed an exclusive, exclusively with Cage Warriors, so I will not be fighting on Bellator or EFC. And I, I only can fight on Cage Warriors or obviously the UFC. Yeah, but that's quite impressive. When you think you're 7-0... Which is impressive is in its own right, but the caliber of guys you fought and the caliber of shows—I mean, not many people could say they fought on uh, EFC and uh, Cage Warriors Cage and Bellator. Yeah. I mean, that's just nuts. I mean, you know, you really are packing in some serious experience into a, a very young uh, career. Do you think that's sort of like you know gone in your favour in terms of feeling ready to face anyone at any level? Yeah, well, I, I know I can fight anyone at any level, um, you know, through my sparring and through my fighting. Um, you know, I fought top guys. I mean, Zulu, EFC champ, Blaine O'Driscoll was a world champ, fought him on Bellator. Saj Hack was a legend of UK flyweight MMA. We know he's got wins over 
Ronnie Mann, Sam Creasy, and then, and then Shank. So obviously, I know what level I'm at. I know, you know, and it's given me valuable experience. You know what I mean? Like when when fights just go your own way, you don't always gain a lot from me. You know what I mean? Mm. Like for instance, um, you know, I had a good amateur career and I had a good early pro career, but no one ever really pushed me. You know what I mean? And then when I fought Zulu Boy, he pushed me. When I fought Blaine, he pushed me. So it gives you valuable experience. I've been in situations. I've been daring on a fight. I've been up on a fight. You know, I know when I know not to make si- silly mistakes or go for silly mm. stuff, which I would do when I was a young kid. You know what I mean? I'd go for something mad. Oh, a flying mm-hmm. triangles in the middle. Jump these. <laughs> when you fight, fight these high level guys, you can't be making a single mistake because. They take advantage of the single mistake you make. Um, yeah, 100%. So, yeah, that's that's what I've learned from fighting these top guys is, um, you know, the fight IQ and stuff like that. We had um, we had a question sent in uh, from Gaz, which I'm going to get to in just a second. But I just wanted to circle back to something. When we were talking about the, the UFC, like the rankings, and like we've talked about before, Dan, the outside of maybe the top sort of three or four in the UFC flyweight division, I do feel like below sort of Askarov, like Askarov and down, I feel like any of the top cage warriors flyweights would could slot in there comfortably. And I just really wondered, um, Jake, if the UFC was to offer you the opportunity to fight one of like, you know, like the top three guys... Would you take that straight out of the bat, or would you prefer to fight someone else first before going into that higher level? I got, I got no problem fighting any, any of these guys. I mean, I've, I've watched them, I've watched um, them all, and all of them's got holes in the game, and all of them make, make mistakes, which I feel like I could capitalize on. So, you know, I feel, I, I, I feel, and I know I'm ready for this level. Um, I feel like if they put me in the UFC now, just say if, they, if I fought in the UFC in March, I could have the belt by the following March, yeah. in my my opinion. Um, you know, they've had some good fights. I know Figueredo and Moreno had a good, entertaining fight. You know, but there's, you know, things I saw in that fight, which I was like, oh, I'd take advantage of this. I can take advantage of that. Um, you know, obviously, same like, you know, you know, I'm, I ain't even had my first fight in the, the UFC yet, and I'm already saying that I can beat the champion, but I really, I know these, <laughs> these things, you know what I mean? Like, I was an amateur. I was an amateur looking up to Zulu Boy, because Zulu Boy was been a champion for about six, seven years, yeah? I was looking yeah. at Zulu but before I even had my first amateur fight, and I was saying I can beat this guy, and I beat him. You know yeah. what I mean? I already knew, you know what I mean? Um... And I know I could beat 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 Figueredo and these guys, but that's me saying about myself now. Imagine when I do fight, I feel like, mm. you know, I'll, I'll smash him when I do fight him. I feel like I could beat him now. So imagine in a year, two years when I do go there, um, you know, I think they'll probably try build me up really the UFC because I'm young, you know, I'm I'm 24, you know, it's not like I'm. You know, 38, 39 years old, they need to get, you know, just using me for the prospects or something. They're going to, I feel like they'd get me in and build me up. They'd put me on a multi-fight deal, build me up. You know what I mean? That's yeah. what, how often they'd treat me. 
Um, you know, I ain't too fussed. It's um, it's fascinating, like listening to you, because you clearly, you know, you you. It's not just a confidence in your own ability. Like you believe that you could beat these guys, um, and obviously Figueredo has been on a tear, like you mentioned. But um, the other thing I wanted to circle back on, um, just very quickly, was you said about um, like you've you've mentioned a couple of times now, just struggling to to get fights because people pull out and stuff. And we've had that conversation again, Dan, with Jack Shaw, is that people always kept pulling, they keep pulling out of his fights because, in my opinion, they don't particularly want to fight him. And I feel like maybe that you're having this a similar issue, or you certainly were before you went out to the EFC, in that people, because they know that you're this like young fighter with an all-round game, and it's clear you've got an all-round game. I mean, even if someone hasn't seen your fights if you go and have a look at like your list of victories and the various ways you've won it's clear that you've got a, like a pretty all-round game because it's not just all knockouts or all submissions you've you've got all sorts you've won by decision you've won by knockout you've won by tiko you've won by sub, um rear naked choke like there's all sorts of victories in there like how does a fighter like yourself or like Jack Shaw or um, I'm sure there's a couple of others have to deal with that frustration of having multiple pullouts all the time where people seemingly don't want to fight you? Yeah, I mean, it was, you know, it was really frustrating at one stage of my career. It's just like constantly getting pullouts. I remember like being uh, fighting at one stage and I'd have, I had multiple multiple times guys pull out the day of or the day before the fight, multiple occasions, multiple times. That, um, you know, uh, you know, I had so many pull outs, it was unreal. That's why one of the reasons why I had to fight um, Reece Street at one stage was because I had a pull out. And, you know, it was like six days before the fight. And I'm like, fucking, I need to fight. I need the money. I need, I need the experience. I need to fight. You know what I mean? So I had to fight, you know. Even though I didn't want to fight him, because obviously he was a journeyman at the time. Um, but I've had, you know, I've had that many pullouts before in my career. It was frustrating, but I've got nothing else in my life other than training and fighting. So it's not like it'd frustrate me and then I'll slack off. It would just frustrate me and then I'd be like, oh fuck, you know, a bit sad for a day, and then you know, but I'd still be in the gym. You know what I mean? So mm. I'm just like a gym rat. I'm in the gym tw- all the time. You know what I mean? <laughs> So, you know, it frustrated me, but I just kept kept training and kept working, uh, kept working hard. It's never affected my work effort or something like that. Having to do a camp like nine weeks, ten weeks, and then someone pulling out last minute. I still train just as hard the next camp, even though in the back of my head I was like, "Pretty sky, I'll probably pull it," <laughs> and then they did. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I'd still train just as hard. You know what I mean? All the time. Yeah, because you're so young, you can be patient. You know, if I can give you any advice is, you know, you have got that on your side. And, um, you know, it's such a good thing that you're choosing to still train as if you're in camp all the time. Because I think a good thing to give you confidence that good things will come is for you to just know that you're improving, you know, week uh, each week, each month. And that you're just going to be a even more devastating, even more dominant uh, Jake Hadley when you next get in there. So, you know... Uh, I just say sit tight, things will come, time will make things fall in place and um, try not to be too frustrated about it, it will come your way. But um, I have no doubt in my mind that we're going to be seeing you in UFC 
quite possibly this year and I'd be really excited to do so. I'll be following your career um, quite closely. Um, you know, now I've got to finally talk to you. Um, I wasn't too sure whether to talk to you. I know you were under a lot of pressure and, and, and then you had the win. And so I, I, I remember eating breakfast and I saw you across the table, but you had people coming over to you. So I decided just to leave it. And, um, you know, that's why I've been asking you so many questions. There, there were so many things I wanted to ask you anyway, but I thought, hey, we'll save it for a podcast. So, yeah, mm. forgive me, Sai, because I kind of like hijacked it a little bit and no, been asking him a load of questions. But I really was looking forward to, to getting you on. And I'm always amazed when we get these youngsters. You know, you, you guys are under 25 years of, of age. And when I think back when I was that age, you know, I'd barely grown out of playing with dinky toys and, and stuff like that. So, uh, <laughs> but you're all so mature for, for your years. And um, it, that, that, that impressed me. Not only does your level impress me, but it, it's the way you think. And um, yeah, you're going to go far without a doubt. And um, yeah, you've, well, you've gained fighting, the truth out of me. This fighting is, is, is all I've known all my entire life. My, fam mm. my family are fighters. My dad was an amateur boxer. My granddad was a pro boxer. Um, so fighting's just in my blood. It's in my DNA. I grew up around watching fighting and, 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 and looking up to my dad and listening to my dad and, and this and that. And because my dad, he was never no great fighter himself, as in like competitively. But, he, you know, he knows a lot about the fight game and, he, and he, he, he knows the best ways. You know what I mean? As in, he's always advised me to be the smart fighter and stuff like that. Absolutely. And advised me, me on stuff like this. So, you know, it has got to do with my mindset, but it's also got to do with my, my, my family's mindset, my coach's mindset. You know, you look at most of the guys in Birmingham. I mean, you look at Leon Leon Edwards, for instance. He's a smart fighter, technical smart Absolutely. fighter. You don't make no... He, he's got a very, very high fight IQ. Rocky, mm -hmm. Rocky has. Um, you know, so I've been around these guys... And I've been random since I was a kid, you know what I mean? So, you know, obviously it rubs off, rubs off on me. So that's like my mindset. Yeah, yeah. Jake, we, um, we were talking just when we were waiting for Danny, because Danny's always late. Um, <laughs> and we, was, we were talking about, the, um, like, we were, oh, I was saying to you, like, how excited I am for the next sort of five years to see all the guys from Britain going into the UFC, because... It does feel like there's this 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 wave of European talent, if you want to call it, but like British talent who are kind of like 25, 26 and down, who have just got like an unbelievable all-round game, whether it's yourself or it's like Mason Jones or Jack Shaw or Leon Edwards. There's like a wave of guys who you look at it on paper and you just think like, all of those names, which I've just mentioned, then there's loads of others. You've got Modestus, Danny. You've got, um, you know, there's guys like who are on Cage Warriors now who maybe with a bit of time could end up over there as well. And I look at it and I just think any number of them could end up being UFC champions. And I find it really exciting because, as you mentioned, maybe a lot of the those guys would have already been on the UFC earlier if they were in America. So... Like, what do you think, Jake, about like the influx of British talent which we've got coming up? And uh, is oh, there? Well, I think uh, I think like um, you know, there was always this thought process of you have to go to America to be, you know, UFC champion or to be a contender in the UFC. I feel like my 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 uh, my friend and my teammate Leon Edwards, 
has proven that you don't have to go abroad to be mm. a top level fighter because that That'd was be always cool. the process um you mm. know all the guys went abroad michael bisping you know dan Hardy, all of them went went abroad all the top uk guys of the past and even some top uk guys who are in the ufc now like danny roberts he goes abroad doesn't he um you know etc etc but uh leon edwards he's always done his all his training in birmingham you know what i mean okay he's gone out and done a couple of weeks here in america you know in between camps or this and that but realistically 95 percent of his training have been has been here in birmingham he has proven that you can try you don't you can trust in what you've got at home and and you can be and you can become a top fighter from where you, your city in the uk and um and now a lot of top guys now are following this process. You know, obviously Mason Jones, he's just training out of Wales, isn't he? Jack Shaw's just training out of, um, you know, his gym in Wales. Nathaniel Wood just training out of his gym in, in London. But, you know, Rocky was the start of that, um, you know, the start of that um, guys just training at home in the, in the city. I feel like we've got everything here in the UK, really. You know, we've got, um, you know, we've got some of the top striking striking coaches out there. We've got the, you know, so, some high-level wrestling coaches if you go out and look for them, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Obviously, I'm quite blessed. I've got a real top wrestling coach here in Birmingham, can be. So I'm quite lucky, really. Um, you know, jiu-jitsu-wise, we've got some top guys. So we've all, we've all got top, you know, things around the area in the UK, you know what I'm saying, so... Yeah, there's no there's no massive secrets out there, is there anymore? With no. learning techniques in any of the disciplines, I think that's you know something that we've got to be realistic with. There, there ain't no more secrets, and don't get me wrong, there's some fantastic training camps in America, which is probably leading people into temptation along with some good weather, um, particularly if you're mm-hmm. going Florida way, which you know uh, one of my former students, Linton Vassell, has gone that way. I think the temptation mm-hmm. of the weather and uh, you know living the dream, um, I totally get it. But I think back along, yeah. At, nearly all these successful UK fighters were going stateside for their training and, and predominantly, you know, living best part of their training lives uh, and fighting careers uh, regards UFCs out there in America. But yeah, I am absolutely agreement with you that you, you don't have to do that. That is not the only recipe for success. We have got some great coaches here and, um, and I just think you're going to see more UK um fighters not only succeeding just by winning fights but possibly taking titles too on the ufc and uh, jack adley well i think you're going to be the one as well to make to make your mark and be <laughs> lifting another belt let's let's just hope so yeah, man, definitely definitely yeah. <laughs> i mean even sparring boys here in the uk i mean i have a lot of top guys come over and spar obviously you know yourself have you know the creasy brothers sam creasy yeah, and, yeah. and tom creasy i have guys come from all over to come down and spar so you know, we've even got like a top mat. Like we take, if we took our guys to alpha male or something, I bet we'd bangle all of them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. my, we have some good sparring mat, and we've got you know good coaches here in the UK, especially here in Birmingham. So, mm-hmm. you know, top level stuff. Yeah. On that front, yeah. Jack, you know, you're always welcome down at our gym. Yeah, you know, we're very, very yeah, open I'm gym. Sure. If Definitely. you're talking with Sam, he'll probably tell you that our attitude is really relaxed. We have fighters come from all over and. We just do a bit of technique together, and and, and everyone spars. You know, I always make sure that it's done on a on a friendly and a realistic level, sort of thing. That, um, you're always welcome down at our gym. It's a fantastic facility. Mm-hmm. 
And um, nice if you ever want to switch up your training, we have some really good lighter weight guys that, you know, would would be beneficial for your training. Uh, regards just getting an adaptive change of sparring partners um i'll make sure you we made very very welcome yeah man thanks for that that i really appreciate that and um you know if any of your lads ever want to come down birmingham fearless mma the welcome mm -hmm. no problem um yeah that'd know, be great sparring or anything like that i know like uh is it paul paul i've spoke to him a few times is it paul uh, from your gym uh, uh raymond paul you might, yeah, yeah, yeah. You want about Raymond Paul? Yeah, Raymond yeah, Paul. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I spoke to him a few times about training and this and that. So, you know, Sam's told me like, um, you know, about some of you lads down there and and they want to come and train and spar, but they was waiting till after the fight. You know what I mean? After mm -hmm. I fought Shanks, because obviously, yeah, yeah. You know, they don't want no conflict. Me thinking he's conflicted or something like. That, you know yeah, what I mean? yeah, yeah. So, yeah, but you, any of you guys are welcome anytime down down the gym. No problem. Yeah, yeah, sure, absolutely. Yeah, I've always been, um, you know, very much into allowing students to train other places. Uh, um, you know, we've discussed this numerous times on the podcast. I've never been an insecure coach where I'm worried someone's going to go somewhere else and think, oh, it's better than here or anything like that. I just I'm in it for these young lads and young girls to um, do whatever it takes to have the best experience and get as far as they can. And to do that realistically, you've got to experience other gyms as well and, and, and yeah, you your, your training aspiring partners. Exactly, other sparring, other yeah. coaches, etc. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, now we've broke the ice with each other. There's no doubt that we, you know, we're getting communication with each other and, and we'll send some some people up your way. And, and like I say, you and whoever you want to bring, you're more than welcome down at ours. It'd be great to produce a good rapport between us. Yeah, man. Thanks for that, man. Cheers, man. That's right. Uh, right. Uh, just before we have a little chat about uh, last night's UFC, which was interesting, to say the least, um, we had a couple of questions sent in for you, Jake. Uh, the first one was, uh, Gaz said, if you could fight any flyweight in history, who would it be? Well, it's got to be Mighty Mouse, isn't it? Because, obviously, mm. he's the greatest of all time. Um, so it's Legend. got to be Mighty Mouse. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's the hardest guy in the division, and he really, let's be real, he, he can do everything, can't he? He can strike, he can wrestle, he can do jiu-jitsu, but on top, he's got everything. You know, fight IQ, he's got he's got everything, but he's, he's the greatest of all time in the flyweights, isn't he? So, you know, that would be the guy, if I could fight anyone, it would be him, wouldn't it? Yeah, have you heard his interviews when he talks? It, you know, his techniques and transitions are so fast and responsive he talks the same it's just like his brain's working super fast and his mouth tries to keep up he's you can tell he's a super intelligent guy he's he's really interesting yeah. to listen to isn't it yeah, crazy man, though that they did the ufc did nothing with that division like they barely promoted it they just they they kind of just left it yeah until they did. he until he left like, i know that's a crazy thing he left they started booking like all these guys. They started promoting guys, and, and suddenly and you had like two or three yeah. guys. And the cruel, cruelness is he was probably pound for pound the best fighter in UFC as well. At the oh, time. He's, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. It's uh, it's bizarre, but I suppose there we no. go. Um, JD says, uh, apart from you, Jake, uh, who do you think has got the best chance of becoming a UFC champion? Uh, the British fighters. Out of um, like all weight classes, yeah, yeah, I'd yeah, say yeah. yeah. Other than me, Rock Leon Edwards. 
Yeah. Mm. I, 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 we talked about this. Uh, yeah, I've been, I've been. We think he's been massively disrespected by the. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, 100%. You know, like Yeah, because he never even got one fight in, did he, last year in the end? And, and that's no. so sad because people overlook the amazing results that he's had in UFC. Yeah. But I, I absolutely think so as well. I think right now, you know, he's someone that really could be lifting that belt. If he just gets the opportunity, it just frustrates me. I think there's a lot of fighters worried about fighting him, to be honest. Mm. Yeah, I mean... Um, I should imagine he, he, when he wins this one, he'll get. Hopefully, he'll get the title shot. Then I hope so anyway, because yeah. he deserves it. You know what I mean? Absolutely, does. Yeah, he does. Yeah, and I. What I don't like about it is the the media in the American sort of sector of the MMA media. They always kind of <clears throat> turn it around on him as if he's the one who's kind of refusing hmm. to fight or take fights, and it's very clear that he's really been quite desperate to fight and I just yeah I just, I find it frustrating as a fan because I you know I feel like he should have had a title shot already let alone yeah you know he served his Jews he served his Jews in there yeah. what do they want him to do fight people lower rank all the time I don't get it with him that it's, it's just not fair on the lad he, I mean, he should this be fight, this fight yeah, here is like um you know when he beats this guy, it's going to be, oh, this guy was never any good, or blah, blah, blah. You know, people are going to go on and bring that one mm. in there. So, you know, mm. I want people to mem remember how much they look for this Hamzat was the, the real deal. You know what I mean? I want, to, want people to remember that mm. when, when when Rocky smashes him, I hope Rocky gets his full credit for it, what he deserves. You know what I mean? Mm, yeah. Because, you know, they're going on like he's this great great guy this great fighter and, and ufc really want to push this fight they obviously do because he's been cancelled yeah, more they, they times. love him don't they yeah um, yeah, yeah. You know. they love him so when he beats him i hope he gets his credit what he's due for that you know yeah, what i mean yeah. and not everyone go back on it and say oh he was never no good he was you know yeah. just made and all this yeah do you, do you think sometimes dana white's a little bit guilty of favoring certain fighters and allowing them to have easier opportunities for the best routes to the title attempt. Because um, to me, sometimes it, I get that sense that he just don't like some people and um, don't seem to give yeah, them the exposure they deserve. Years, yeah, and I do sometimes feel that, although there's probably nothing said between Leon and, and Dana, I just feel like Dana's not done him the justice he deserves with the results that he's had. I mean, he's only had two losses, I believe, isn't it, in UFC? Mm -hmm. you know, one of them against Usman. I mean... And that was earlier on in his career. I, th I think he could take the likes of him on and, and win now. You now he's gained yeah, the experience and since he then. He gave a good fight. If you go and rewatch that fight, he gave, he gave good fight. a good fight. And, and yeah. um, you know, uh, he was young in his career then as well. You know what I mean? Um, mm. He's very experienced now on an eight-fight win streak since that fight. So, um, yeah, man. I think he's got the potential to win the belt, definitely, 100%. Um, yeah. You know... He's all-rounded. His fight IQ is very high. So, yeah, man. I never understood why they never made that um, the the Masvidal fight straight after because they had words, didn't they? Was that after the Usman fight? I forget. Uh, that was after uh, Gunnar Nelson, but that's it. Yeah. Masvidal don't want nothing to do with Rocky. You don't want nothing to do. Like people don't understand. Like they're so like, um, you know. I don't know what how to explain it. Like. 
because he's so much in the limelight at the minute, they'll, they'll just listen to every shit he says all the time. But why do you think he don't want the fight? He don't want the fight because he knows it's not a hard fight for him. That's why he don't want the fight. Because you'd want to fight someone who you got into a street fight with, wouldn't you? You know what I mean? Come on. Mm-hmm. You know you know it's going to sell, and it? It's going to sell. That fight's going to sell. You don't want yeah. the fight because he knows it's an hard, stylistic fight for him. You know what I mean? That's why he don't yeah, yeah. want it. So he wants to keep his... He wants to keep fighting. I, I love Diaz, but he wants to fight guys like Diaz. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because they're an easier fight with... But you get... A lot of credit for beating them, don't you? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I see what so you mean, 100%. Right. I wanted to ask you guys about one of the strangest stories I have heard in a very long time, which happened this week in Fight Island. I think if anyone else was fighting other than Conor McGregor, it would have been much bigger news. Um, Otman... Uh, Azita was due to fight on uh, UFC 257 versus Matt Frivola uh, on the, I think it was on the prelims but uh, Otman is from Morocco uh, he's got a pretty good reputation in terms of his fighting career he's, uh, he, he's, 30, he's an unbeaten lightweight and um, basically when you're in the bubble in the hotel you're not allowed to leave and you've got these bracelets as you know Dan from going out That's there right. um, yeah. So what Otman and his team did, they cut the bracelets, <laughs> passed them out to some some other uh. guy. The guy came in, went into a hotel room, scaled four balconies across into Otman's hotel room because they're not allowed to leave the room, gave him a bag, and then gave him his wristbands back. They taped them back on, and the guy then kind of tried to just walk out of reception, was chased by security and whatnot. Um, mm. Dana White has basically, uh, he got Otman's been fired. Uh, obviously, the fight was off. Um, is crazy. Like, um, That's a lot nuts. Of the, a, lot of the, a lot of the media who were, do, who were out in the bubble were kind of saying, you know, you should press charges. Why aren't you pressing charges? And Dana White basically said, look, he, you know, he's... He's been fired. He's lost his big opportunity. He was fighting on a Conor McGregor card. He's lost that opportunity. Mm. But like, when you kind of um, like when you think about how secure the bubble is and everything with COVID and like how much effort and regulations have gone into putting on these events, and then you've got like literally the biggest MMA star in the world fighting, and then one of your fighters does and his team does something so. It's crazy, man. It makes no sense to me whatsoever why someone would do it. I'd love to know what was so important, which was what was in that bag that they had to smuggle in. But like, what, um, Danny, as someone who's been out to the Fight Island recently, like, what do you make of that, mate? Because well, I, I know it's it super, super strict out there. Mind, mate. Yeah, it's super strict out there, but for good reason. You know, it, it's a, a secure bubble, and and don't get me wrong, this bubble doesn't hem you in and make you feel suffocated by any means. Mm. You've got your own private beach you can go to. There's a basketball court outside. Um, the, the, the restaurants that you've got free reign to eat what you want. I mean, it's just you're looked after so, so well there that really, yeah, it's shocking that he would go to those degrees. And it's got to be something very important in those bags that he mm-hmm. was wanting and needing. But yeah, it's absolute craziness. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine mm-hmm. this guy? If this guy was infected, that would have been the whole show called off. The whole show. Yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah, 
not a good idea to do things like that. Really, not. It is bizarre. I like. What do you make of that, Jake? Like, as a fighter yourself, like, and I, and you know, I feel I felt really sorry for the guy he was supposed to be fighting, because obviously that fight yeah. was off. Luckily, they mm-hmm. had someone else uh, pull out, so they matched him with someone else. But like, as I don't know, it, it blows my mind. Obviously, like, I'm not a, a fighter. I'm not a trainer. I haven't been out in that sort of situation. But like, what do you make of that, Jake? I think it's a bit stupid, isn't it, that he felt that he could get away with that on uh, on UFC, UFC. You know, I mean, it wouldn't be as bad if it was fucking, I don't know, uh, FCC in Baltimore, something like that. You know what I mean? But it, it's uh, the UFC you ain't gonna get away with anything like that. But like, like you said, I mean, you've got everything down there. You've got a basketball court and all this and all that. He would have been doomed if he would have been at the Cage Warriors one, the, tri- the first trilogy, because he couldn't <laughs> even go nowhere. I was in my room for 36 hours or something at Madlock. I couldn't leave my room. Uh, you know, so he would have been doomed if he was there. So Crazy. Yeah, it's a cra- it is a crazy one. The uh, the guy who like did the climbing and the smuggling, apparently uh, Dana White said after the show that um, the Abu Dhabi government... Have got his name and they're dealing with him. It's nothing to do with the UFC. And I was Ooh, like, he could be in big <laughs> trouble. Yeah, he could be <laughs> life in prison, mate. At best. Um, his fingers chopped off. <laughs> gee, you could be anything, could it? Can you imagine? Jesus Christ. Probably like any, do you know what? He probably wanted something like, I don't know, like his lucky necklace or something like that. <laughs> yeah, probably what it is. Something superstitious, most likely. Yeah, it's not a country you want to get caught breaking the law in. No, I get that no, sense. Mate. Jesus, it's just madness, mate. Um, so, we're going to talk about the main event and the co-main event of last night. Uh, overall, I thought it was an enjoyable show. Um, yeah. Let's start with the, the co-main event. Michael Chandler make his, making his debut. Um, Dan Hooker has been looking quite impressive of late. And um, he got... Pretty much smoked two and a half minutes. Michael Chandler took him apart. Um, about as good a debut as you want. What I did find interesting was the post-match comments of um, Dustin Poirier about a potential title fight versus Chandler. But I'll, we'll get to them in a minute. Um, Danny, what did you make of the fight, though, Dan Hooker? I know you're a big fan of Chandler. Um, and yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I really like them both. I, I've got to say, I really do like what Dan Hooker's been doing um, in recent times. Um, I know, I, I said to you all along that he's going to prove to be awkward because he fights on the, the rim of the cage and he tries to make his range apparent. But I felt like he was backpedaling so far, so much, that there was no real counters available to him with regards mm-hmm. to the hand. So all he was doing was kicking at the legs and it did look like, oh, you know, this could create a pattern of frustration for Chandler if it carries on like this. But Chandler, being with the experience that he has, um, knows that when someone backpedals as much as he was doing, that you can't get caught with any really dangerous uh, counter hands. You know, you've got to have your feet planted for that. You, you've got to bed down your base to throw your shot. So because he's backpedaling, he started getting more and more confident to lean in his shots, which is not considered a good attacking manoeuvre for any decent striker. But when someone's footworking as much as that, which you can't get away with doing air ring, by the way, which is why you would never see that in boxing. But because this is a cage and it's pretty big in there you know you can dance around those outer fringes but if you do it so much so all the attacking guy has to do is start winging his shots and start 
leaning in and, and start throwing some overhands, which is some of the longest hand strikes you can throw. Um, and that just was working into perfect plan for someone like Chandler because Chandler needs to make up, obviously, some reach and a height advantage. But when someone's backpedaling like that, you can just run forward and throw those overhands. And that's what he did. He snagged him, didn't he, with one and then two. And then the precision of his shots were great. I did worry momentarily what it looked like he was going to jump on a guillotine or something when he hooked onto his head and arm. And I was like, no, don't go to the ground now. Keep the momentum going. But he let go. You know, he's a seasoned veteran now in the sport and carried on. Um, pounding his head and uh, yeah, got the stoppage win. It was really impressive. He looked like he was really stalking, but he also looked very, very frustrated. And I, thought, I did wonder whether even throwing those overhands would he ever be able to actually reach with any consequence to Hooker's chin. But yeah, he he, he proved that he can do it, and he did do it, and, and looked very, very good in doing so. Indeed. What did you make of this one, uh, Jake? You enjoy it? Yeah. Well, um, going into the fight, I, I, I favoured um, Chandler. I thought that a three-round fight suited more him. Like, over a five-round fight, I felt like the fight could have went different. Even, like, maybe his approach to the fight would have been a bit different. Uh, you know, obviously, Chandler's, he's, like, explosive, powerful, but he seems to fade later on in, in fights. Yeah. He fades. Um, you know, and, and, you know, Hooker, he, he, he can, you know, he's already proven, you know, he, he's really fit over five rounds. I know Chandler's been five rounds, but he seems to be more of a, you know, an early fighter, like a three-round fighter suits him better. Um, so, you know, I, I predict, I, I, I did feel like Chandler was going to win and he was going to win. If he was going to win, he was going to win like that, to be fair. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was impressive. Um, obviously, the talk to Dana White in the post-match press conference was asking him, you know, Chandler versus Poirier for the lightweight title. Um Dana White said yes. Obviously, Michael Chandler wants the lightweight title shot. Uh, Dustin Poirier said no. He said I'm not. He said he won't. He won't do it because he said why should he's had to grind his way up through that lightweight division to get mm. his opportunity a title shot? Why should Michael Chandler come in, fight one guy, and then get his title shot? He would. See, he seemed very adamant. Obviously. Emotions are running high. You've just literally, like 20 minutes after he's just uh, had that fight, he's going to have dumped a load of adrenaline. Maybe he will think differently when the, you know, when the money's on the table and the title shot's on the table. But it was interesting because I kind of think everyone kind of assumed, oh, that's what they're going to do. Uh, and Dustin Poirier said, no, that's not happening. Um, but the problem he might have is if he says no, they may offer it to someone else. They may offer it to Gate. They may do Gate G Chandler for the title, or they may do whoever Connor. I don't know. They, like they might not necessarily go. Oh, okay, Dustin, we'll match you with someone else for the title, and we'll put Chandler against someone else. Do you know what I mean? They they might not take into consideration what Poirier wants necessarily. They should, but they might not. What do you think, Dan? I think Poirier's done plenty enough to. You know, to a point, pick and choose how he wants things to go right now. And um, um, I don't think that once things settle down, things are going to change with his opinion. Um, and I think he's right with his opinion. I, I mean, you've got to remember, I'm a massive fan of Chandler. I love watching him over the years. But um, uh, I, do, I do think he should be having another one or two fights before he's considered for a title. I just think he's got to prove himself. It's just what you've got to do, isn't it? You, you've got to go in there and 
put a little bit of graft in, which is the whole point of the argument of what we were saying about Leon. You know, Leon, you know, he's done his dues. Get this yeah. guy bigger opportunities. Um, so, yeah, I do think he's still got to, you know, have another fight or two, but not yeah. against Boyer. Boyer's done his bit in my mind. Although, as a fan, I'd love to see that fight. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I, um, you know, obviously... Assuming Khabib's not coming back, which seems to be what was said after the fights last night, um, it's going to be Poirier versus somebody, you'd think, for the lightweight title. It'll be interesting who. Um, do you think, uh, Jake, that Chandler should get that shot against Poirier, or do you think it should go to someone else? Well, um, I think maybe it would be okay to give him another fight against someone else. Um, but say, all saying all that... Um, you know, we did knock out the guy, you know, in Dana Hooker who took Poirier five rounds in a real close fight mm. where it was like one round. It was a real close fight, weren't it, really? It was that last yeah. round which made him sneak, you know, he just, just about won the fight. So a guy who nearly killed you got knocked out by this guy in one round and then you're saying that you don't, you know. You yeah. know, yeah, and also, you also beat Eddie Alvarez who... Nearly killed you as well. I know we need. I know it was like a 50-50 fight. Chandler and Alvarez was as well. But like, you know, he has paid his dues though, isn't he? As in, like, he has fought top guys. Just because he, he ain't been in the UFC, don't mean the guys ain't top guys. I mean, he's coming here and he's knocked out Dan Hooker, who obviously is one of the top guys in the UFC straight away. No problem. Made it look easy, isn't he? You know. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we know the fight could have went a different way if he maybe survived a round or two or whatever. But that guy, you know, maybe give him another fight. I could understand give him another fight, give him maybe, uh, you know, Gaethje or Oliveira or someone like that and then put him in the title shot. But to say you don't want to fight him and I'm not going to fight him because he had on this and he had on that. Well, you know, we knocked out the guy who took you five rounds, you know what I mean, mm. type of thing. Yeah, that's and he also he has beat top guys, isn't he? Yeah, that's a real good point. Um, because yeah. he has fought some decent guys in Bellator, and of course the guys he has fought of, of late have given Poirier, you know, a real good fight. So from that, you know, there's there's logic to it, and it? it's not just a fact of you're just chucking him in there because he's won one fight. It's maybe who he's beaten of late. Um, I would like to see. Uh, Charles Oliveira versus either Poirier or Gaethje, though I, I think that's the fight uh, which I would really like to see. Uh, I like Charles Oliveira. I'd like to see him and Gaethje go at it. I think that could be good. Um, and then, of course, we had uh, the main event that it had a lot of hype behind it. Um, I found this fight absolutely like fascinating the way it went. Um, I thought Connor looked pretty good in the first round, but he took some some heavy uh, leg kicks throughout the first round, um, and it was clear he didn't sit down in between rounds. Um, it was clear there was something going on there, uh, and that was the case because uh, what was it about two and a half minutes into the second round, uh, he got clipped, uh, and as he as Connor then went to throw, I think it was a, an uppercut. His uh, left leg gave way, and uh, Poirier finished him with some big shots. Herb Dean waved it off. Um, 
I think um, there's been, a, as, as there always is with Conor McGregor, there's been a lot of uh, hyperbole afterwards. People saying Conor McGregor's finished, etc., etc. But my personal opinion is, look, it's fighting. Anyone can get caught at any time. I thought Dustin Poirier fought a very clever, uh, intelligent fight. Um, and me and uh, Jake were talking just before the show about Conor's wide stance. And uh, Dustin Poirier used the fact that uh, Conor's got such a wide stance to set up those shots in the second round. Um, Jake, we'll go to you first, mate. What did um, what did you make of the fight? What did you make of Conor McGregor's performance? And uh, also, you know, Dustin Poirier, do you think he was maybe a little bit disrespected before the fight in terms of everyone kind of just assumed they would go the way of the first fight? Well, I, I honestly believed he was going to get knocked out again. Um, I did too. I, 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 when I watch McGregor's fights, I mean, I've watched McGregor's fights in the lead-up to this fight, um, and I watched Poirier's fights in the lead-up to this fight, and as like when I was watching it for a skill-for-skill skill basis, you know, you look at like McGregor's fight with Alvarez, you know, you know how good he looks in there, as in he's like he's in and he's out, he's you know he's hard to hit, even though you know he keeps his hands quite low, he's quite. You know, he uses his movement as his defense type of thing. Um, you know, and then I look at um, Poirier and he's in the pocket. He's getting caught every fight. It's near enough a war. And um, I'm just, you know, thinking as well. When when McGregor, land, McGregor lands his shot on Poirier, he's just going to put him out. Like, he ain't going to take it like he, he can take some of these other guys' shots. But, um, you know, I was shocked where how uh, kind of came into the fight as in, he was like, he's always like, um, you know, he's always got like a wide stance. So I, t- I would say the leg kick is open to him. But like, he's like, he looked like he was like really heavy on his leg, like leaning over, like more of like a boxing stance. Like he didn't really want to throw a kick. He threw kicks after he got hurt with kicks. You know what I mean? Then he started mixing in the kicks himself. Um. But really, it looked like he just wanted a boxing match. He looked like he's been getting into the... He, he don't look like the way he looked when he, he knocked Poirier out in the first fight. You know, he don't look loose and... He didn't look loose and he didn't look relaxed in there. You know what I mean? That's how I felt. Yeah. Um, You know, the, the leg kick, obviously, the leg kick, the calf kicks was working. They're the same stance, safe ball, safe ball. The calf kick, outside calf kick works well due to the stance. But Poirier was also working that in the first fight. If you watch the first fight, he kicked him a lot in the leg in the first fight, um, you know, and was hurting him a bit in the leg the first fight. But I know he didn't He didn't look himself in my... I don't, I don't know, he just didn't look himself. Um, no. Once he was hurt and he was on the cage, you know, he does what McGregor does when he gets pressure put on him. You know, like when Diaz covered up and put pressure on him. He did the same thing, like just stay up against the cage, move his head, try to get out of the way. But, you know, obviously Poirier's got a bit more power than Diaz. He's just throwing it on him. But, yeah, um, I was shocked. I was shocked really um, that, that Poirier knocked him out, to be honest. I was shocked that he won. Couldn't believe it. Yeah, I thought, um, I thought uh, Conor McGregor looked as tense as I've ever seen him in the... When they were doing the... Um, the instructions so you know like 
if you remember back to the Jose Aldo fight, um, in the introductions, Connor just just his whole demeanor, he looked loose, he looked relaxed, he just looked like yeah. he was completely fine. And then they went over to Aldo, and he looked like he had the whole weight of the world on his shoulders, and he looked stressed, and he looked stiff and heavy and tense. And that's what I thought Connor looked like last night as they were doing the introductions. But I thought, oh, you know, maybe it's just me. But I agree completely with what you said. He was very heavy on his feet and um, kind of leaning forward in like a, a boxing thing. And I wonder whether the amount of boxing training he's done, obviously he fought Floyd Mayweather. He also told Talk Sport after the fight that they pretty much have agreed uh, a Manny Pacquiao fight. He doesn't know if it's still going to happen now. But that's clearly been like in the works. So I do wonder if his camps and his training have been very boxing heavy. Because obviously we're so used to seeing him throw like those hook kicks. And especially early in fights, he'll throw like these like high kicks and hook kicks. Which often create the distance and the space and the angles for him to hit his big left hands. Yeah, um, yeah, well, that sets it up, doesn't it? Them kicks yeah. set up this wise the left hand, you know what I mean? But he ain't, he weren't doing none of that stuff till it was too late. He was already compromised, you know what I mean? Mm. Like, by, by the time he started doing that, his leg was already compromised and it was too, you know, he was pretty much too far gone then, you know what I mean? He, he, don't, he didn't fight like his normal self. I feel like that's right. He's got into that boxing too much. He's into the, you know, he f- focusing on the boxing way too much you know Dan what do you think mate because um, I think we all picked McGregor to win beforehand but we also said you know Poirier's no bum like he's he's a real 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 good fighter um, who's been racking up the wins since uh, the first fight and also I feel like this weight is you know it's much better for Poirier in terms of his abilities yeah i think the weight suited them to them both to be honest i know yeah. conor mcgregor cut a lot of weight to get down that featherweight so i think the weight oh. suited them both i don't think that was any part of the equation of what we saw happen last night um but yeah i think you're both really nailing it um i just feel that when you're facing someone that's really well rounded like poye is going to punch he is going to kick and like jake pointed out he was kicking the leg of mcgregor in the first meeting that they had um, look, if you don't use your leg, you're going to lose your leg. So, you know, you've got to get kicking as well with your hands, especially if you're you know, you're putting your hopes on knocking someone out with your hands, which clearly we can see McGregor wanted to do. And, and again, Jake's absolutely right. You've got to use those legs a little bit to disguise your hands. When you keep coming in with hands all the time against someone that can equally strike pretty damn well like Poyo can, you're going to start getting into the pocket fights. And... Um, and, and the pocket fighting means that there's going to be a lot more transactions of strikes on both parts. And of course, up comes the risk of getting clipped and caught. Um, I think when he uses those awkward um, hook kicks and also he's got a really good teeth that we've been seeing in Conor McGregor use um, in fights, which keeps them out at range for which he's got that laser precise cross left hand of his. Um, I think that would have been... Uh, a whole lot better to just keep someone slightly more on the outside. But he overemphasized on the hands, and I think ultimately it is undoing. But one thing I always maintain of my dislikes um, in Conor McGregor style is the fact that he doesn't seem to have any real knowledge of blocking. Now, mm. he's got great movement with his feet. He's got head movement as and when it's important to do so. But when you rely on that alone, 
when one fouls, you're relying on one thing. And when his footwork fouled him and he was up against the fence, he only has the head evasion. But he didn't do enough forearm and elbow blocking. His hands are sort of wayward. To me, there's always three types of defence that need to be played when you're under pressure. Your footwork, which is your whole body mass location, obviously uh, depicting the range to stay out of trouble. When you get an outmatch with the footwork, they then use your head evasion. But while you're using your head evasion, um, you know, just in case those shots do get through, you should also always have your, your hands on your forehead to, to cover the shots if they do slip through. And if you're blocking in the right type of way, it also gives you your counter shots. Because the last thing you want to do is be just bobbing weaving your head um, trying to be a swinging, punching kick bag where the shots are always coming. You're not unable to give your shots back. Um, I just think he's a great giver in the striking art, but not a great receiver. And every time that you see him fall apart, it's been because a little bit of um, a little bit of uh, uh, physicality comes involved where he looks a tiny bit tired where he can't keep pushing for the attack. And when he has to receive, he seems to get tight and tense and under pressure. And he's a muscular guy at that weight. And I just think it exhausts him and he starts to fall apart very, very quickly. But um, he's probably yeah, the, one of the best attackers well. in the game, but he's one of the worst receivers. I wanted to ask you both, um, but Dan, first for you, like with those leg kicks, he didn't, uh, he didn't start checking them until the start of the first round, uh, start of the second round, sorry. And um, even when he did try and check them, he wasn't really turning his leg into it, so they were still hitting that small bit of muscle yeah. on your leg rather than the bone. And I don't know whether yeah. that is, um, I don't want to say lazy, but like like you, you were saying about his defence maybe not being his strongest aspect, but like he wasn't quite turning that leg all the way out. And I yeah, think that was... probably contributed to, to the damage he's... You know, I, I his agree. leg was clearly compromised, like... Yeah, yeah, it was getting compromised and it had gone to other rounds that would have definitely become a clear target for Poirier to, to you know, work on to possibly put the fight to bed that way. Um, but yeah, you're right, you know, his leg was becoming a target because his, his uh, stance is both wide and and long. You know, it, it really is unusually wide, but that's why he's got so much power in his hands because he has such good, solid base. But the consequence of that is that you can be counter to the leg. And that's why when he was trying to shin block it, he was unable to do a thing called cut the kick. Um, when I say cut the kick, if you watch the way a tie boxer does his striking and he gets kicked to the leg, he'll be leaning more on his back leg than um, the front. And they, they stay light with the front kick and it's further back. So they can actually mm. cut in the kick low down on the leg when they go to kick you. Because he was so wide, you have to he has to lean back because it was so elongated and wide. He has to lean back to lift up the leg. Um, okay. and, and that's that's not going to help you be able to cut the kick when it comes in. So, yeah, it was not um, defending him from the leg kick and any consequence for the kick. Um, uh, you, you, when you shin block someone and try and cut the kick, it has to hurt the person who's kicking. He wasn't able to do that. It was always hurting him. But this is why I say he should, should have perhaps been throwing more kicks of his own to the leg and more body kicks, more head kicks. I think he should have just been more of the old McGregor. I think he's mm. got lost and sold into the boxing a little bit too much. Maybe because he's already beat Poirier with the hands. It naturally mm. started to hunt for that. And um, I had it with um, one of my students, uh, Richard Merns. He won a fight with a, a lovely head kick. And then um, his next fight that he lost and he got himself knocked out was because he kept throwing head kicks, you know, um, you start, you start, yeah, you start falling into confidence on one thing and you limit yourself. It's like someone who attacks you with a knife. They attack you with just the knife in their right hand 
um, when really they, you've got multiple weapons. You, you, you've got your left side, you've got your kicks if there was more of a round of fire. But when people get a dangerous weapon or they've expressed a dangerous weapon, they get sold on it and they start hunting for it. Man, you win a fight because your opponent makes a mistake and, and you find a way to get to that winning scenario. But you don't say, I'm going to win with um, a left cross and then hunt for it. It's just not going to present itself very often to you. Yeah, I guess if you keep going looking for something, it becomes obvious it's, and you're trying too hard to get it. No. You, know? um, you have to be dynamic. And, Jake, yeah. as a fighter, like obviously, I, as I mentioned, I'm not a fighter in any way. Um, so I'm genuinely kind of interested. But is Connor's stance so wide? Like if this was my impression, at least, was the reason his stance is so wide is because he throws those high kicks and those hook kicks and stuff like that. So... Is it kind of weird that he still got that stance but wasn't throwing the kicks? Would I be right in saying that or not necessarily? Well, well, well yeah, I don't know. Like, his stance was like, he was like wide stance, but then leaning more over his front leg and not as not as agile, not as, you know, elusive with his feet, with his footwork or anything like that. Like, I don't know, like, for, for instance, Wonderboy, he's got like a wide stance and he's, he's bouncing on his feet type of style. That, that style you can kick his legs as well, but what? But but McGregor's always had a stance where you could kick him and hurt his legs because he's that wide, elusive stance. But he didn't even have that stance. He had like mm. a wide leg stance, but then like a boxing-oriented mm. guard, and 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 he didn't have his same, you know, sort of that sort of style. And then obviously you weren't mixing up the kicks as often and. And, and stuff yeah. like that. Like, what do you, made do you, you... Sorry, do you, do you feel that he almost lost that traditional style? You know, that karate style almost that he had about him that made him so yeah. hard to read. Do you feel that like he lost that a little bit and he, he sort of like went into more of a traditional star, uh, striker's format? Yeah, well, it, what made him so successful, in my opinion, is you never knew what he was going to do. As in, yeah. You know, you know, Conor McGregor's going to come and strike you, but you didn't know if he was going to left-head kick you or if he was going to spinning hook kick you or if he was going to teep kick you in the body or if he was going to left-hand or if he was going to jab. You didn't know what he was going to do, you know what I mean? But realistically, in that fight, it looked like more he was focusing on just punching, really. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. He had kick here and there. After really he got hurt with the kicks, he started kicking him in the leg. He started trying to kick him in the head a bit more. But, you know, he was... And the stance was off as well. Like he was, I feel like he was in a more boxing orientated stance with his guard and stuff like that. Mm. Um, but you know, um, you know, I feel like his his old style, the two two thousand and sixteen Connor, hmm. the one you know, he looked he looked. Then when the like I, I I watched the Poirier fight today, and then I rewatched the first Poirier fight and. As soon as it come on, I was like, oh, this looks better. It looks better, yeah. you know what I mean? It's just like, mm-hmm. it looks... Yeah, I know Poirier's improved and that that could be a reason why he lost. But I was like, straight away, I was like, within five seconds, I thought, that looks better. It looks better here. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He looked better there. He looked more loose, more agile, more, you know... Um, you know, obviously the kicks made him more flat-footed and this and that, but he was already a bit like that anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if we just all rein ourselves in, you've got to admit, though, the hands that he landed, But if you look it back, 
I mean, my goodness, this guy's got some precision on him. I mean, it's yeah. just, he was landing so often on Poirier. But Poirier's all time and time again proved how tough he is and how he can take a punch. I know he's been knocked out by McGregor before, but, you know, he was getting hit on the tip of the chin and um, he took him and received him. But to commend McGregor, I mean, nearly every time he was throwing out his hands, I was practically landing every single time. Um, I don't know whether I was more impressed with the precision of his shots or the fact that Poirier just took them and, well, and had no concern. Well, he was known Poirier. He was known Poirier at one stage for, like, getting wobbled in every fight, weren't he, when he was a yeah, featherweight? Yeah. Um, like, mm. he, you know, he'd just be normal and he'd get wobbled every fight. Um, yeah, you know, well, he's, and he was getting put down on a regular, you know, they'd been knocked out a few times. And, you know, obviously, since the move up to lightweight, I think he's only been stopped once. I think Michael jo- Johnson stopped him at lightweight. But uh, apart from that, like, he's, had, he's shown a solid chin in his, so obviously, mm. weight cuts, that just proves something to you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Poirier said in his post-match thing that um, in the, I think he said it was the first round, that with the, the right hand from Connor really hurt him. But Connor didn't follow it up and pour it on, and he mm. was quite surprised by that, um, which kind of again goes right back into what you were just saying, Jake, about him not being like his usual self. Because mm. if you think back to any McGregor victory, the second he nails one good shot and it wobbles his opponent, he finishes them because he goes yeah. in for the kill straight away, pouring it on. Mm. So it's interesting that Poirier said. He got caught and he was expecting the end of the fight. He he literally said, I thought that was he was going to follow it up and that was going to be the end. But it never came. So I found that quite interesting, you know, as a... As a... Almost... I don't know how to explain it. Like, But the fact that Poirier fought for a split second, that, that was it. It was going to be over. Mm. But the pressure never came. Um Yes, it's an interesting one. Um, in terms of going forward for McGregor, um, you know, what the one thing, you say what you like about Conor McGregor, some of the stuff he said and done outside of the cage. One of my favourite things about Conor McGregor is every time he loses, uh, he loses with class. And, like, I saw, so I said this to someone uh, yesterday, and they said, oh, well, when he lost to Khabib, he was fighting in the cage. And, actually, and I said, well, no, actually... That the post-match stuff with Khabib is he actually just defended himself when some guy smacked mm. him, like the other guys and whatever. That's whatever. But Conor McGregor himself, like he just defended himself when some guy jumped the cage and smacked him. But in terms of how he behaves when he loses, in terms of his opponent, no matter what's gone on or been said in the the build-up to the fight, he always loses with class. And uh, you know he was the same again. Um, he gave all the credit in the world to Dustin Poirier. He didn't make excuses. Um, to be honest with you, like I think we talked about this before, Dan. Uh, I'd like to if I'd like to I would like to see him focus just on MMA. I don't want to really see him go back into boxing and stuff like that. I want to see him focus on MMA, um, and I'd like to see him get some super fights. Let's have that Diaz fight. Maybe let's have the Poirier trilogy fight at some point down the road. Maybe a Tony Ferguson fight down the road, um, Chandler, people like, you know, there's some great fights out there, stylistically. Yeah, Ferguson's a good, you know, now he's had his hiccups and 
McGregor's had his now. I think that would be a great matchup because it's yeah. still someone legit to beat, nevertheless. And, you know, it's going to be the end of either of their careers when they have that fight. So that fight's not only going to be an interesting matchup, but equally it's going to be a pressure fight as well because they're, they're both going to have to keep themselves relevant by getting a good, emphatic win over each other. So I think that'd be a really good fight. Both super unpredictable when they're on form. That'd be fantastic. Um, it'll match up, I think. Let's be honest, though. Like, it would not be a surprise if, in like eighteen months' time, we're talking about Conor McGregor being on a five feet five fight win streak, and you know, could happen. You could never write him off. He's that sort of guy, and he where he, he like I think uh, Dana White said after in his press conference, he just said, "Look, I almost I haven't spoken to Conor, but he said I almost feel like." You know, he's got all the money in the world. He can walk away. He doesn't need to do this. He does it because mm. he loves it. I almost feel like he can either walk. He's either going to walk away, or he's just going to come back better than ever and sure be really, really motivated. You just don't know. Yeah. Like it is what it is, I guess. Um, right. Okay, Jake Hadley. Thank you very much for joining us, mate. Really, really uh, appreciate you giving us your time and uh, answering our questions and stuff like that. Um, and you are yeah, no welcome back anytime, mate. Anytime yeah, whatsoever. Been, been brilliant. I, you know, like I say, I've been dying to sort of have a chit chat with you, but we saved it for the podcast. And yeah, I kind of hijacked it a little bit at the beginning there. I wanted to ask all my questions, but um, yeah, I really enjoyed chatting with you. And I have no doubts we're going to have more talks in the future, not just with the podcast, but also together in a gym somewhere, whether it's at yours or mine or a combination of both. But yeah, but good luck for your future, Jake. I'll be watching with interest. Yeah, man. Thanks for that, guys. Um, and, I, and I'll speak to you guys soon. Yeah, nice one. Yeah, yeah. awesome. Awesome. Jake. Cheers, mate. Uh, what a nice lad. We, we've really been yeah. sp- spoilt with these these young, young mature, um, I want to say kids, because I'm at the age where I look at them, they look well, like kids they, to me. They, but, they feel like kids to us. But, um, you know, but, yeah, but don't conduct themselves like so. I mean, absolutely full of intelligence and great head on his shoulders. Really exciting. Um, really exciting times for him coming up I'm sure yeah it's um, like you say mate we've been very uh, very lucky we've been treated to some uh, we have phenomenal guests and that's not stopping mate uh, we got no. uh, another one next week uh, from across the ponds next week um, which will be very interesting someone you know well obviously yeah, uh, but yeah. I'm looking forward to that one um, so let's uh, let's let's finish off this card because there's still some uh, very interesting and uh, some controversial. Uh, I thought there was a terrible bit of refereeing uh, at one point in one of the women's matches, but we'll get to that. Um, so we uh, just uh, we'll go. We'll keep going backwards. So uh, Jessica I faced uh, Scottish lady Joanne Calderwood, and I thought JoJo Calderwood was very impressive in this. Oh, match. she was really. Good. I was impressed with both, though. To be honest with you, I liked yeah. what Jessica I was doing in the clinch. Clearly improved her wrestling. Um, not meaning you know to get the takedown. Just the overall cage work was very impressive. But I think the only reason why you know she didn't shine as much as I know she potentially could was because of the way um, uh, Joanna Calderwood conducted her strategy. She she was both effective um, in the clinch, close range, long range. The thing I liked was she constantly attacked the leg and the body. She struck well off the break. She was always working something, never in a big flurry. Um, there was no big lull in the pace for her. She just kept chipping, chipping, 
chipping and it began to pay dividends for her. Um, yeah, really impressive performance. Really loved her tie clinch, her knees. Um, it was great. I just, I, I really, really just hope she carries on doing that same style, uh, type of uh, striking format where she's attacking literally on all three levels, attacking the legs, attacking the body and attacking the head. And also, more importantly, the, the, how good she looked striking and getting the advantage on the break um yeah she she was very very good still a close fight uh, you know in much of it jessica i was absolutely relevant at all times in the fight began to really gasp but i like the way she tried to switch up a strategy and really dive in at the legs to try, try to get um joanna down to the ground to try to pinch back those rounds but he just wasn't to be for her um absolute warrior so it really was i think there's only one little bit that was a little bit cheeky but it just happened in the moment um Calderwood did grab at her hair right in the mm. latter part in that last round. Um, there was a little bit of a hair grab in it, but um, overall that wasn't consequential to the victory. Um, no. Yeah, what's next for Calderwood? I mean, I think she's moving on up. Match her back up with uh, Chevchenko again. I do probably um, so, and deservingly so at that. Yeah, I think she deserves that now. I think the time is right. I think she's a better fighter than she was um, last time around. Mm. Um, just gonna have a quick look yeah i think um i think it's time to be honest with you like this i know uh so joanne's uh eight or seven uh seven sorry jess grive was six so uh, you know joanne's gonna go up at least one probably a couple of places mm. uh, i wonder who they you know there's a couple of other names they could poss possibly match her up against but to me i think she beats the majority of them um, mm. I, I suppose you could do the rematch between her and Mayer, um, because obviously uh, Jennifer Mayer beat her uh, via submission back in August of last year. You could do that rematch, I guess. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, they want fresh opponents for Shevchenko, ultimately, don't they? I suppose it, yeah. a lot will depend if they're going to do that Shevchenko versus... Uh, Nunes rematch. Yeah, if they're gonna I, do hope, that, I if hope they're they don't. That to back, be honest, then yeah, I think if they're going to run that back now, then Calder was probably they're probably going to rematch her against yeah Jennifer Meyer because that makes sense, you know. Yeah, um, to do that, but uh, I would like to see. Uh, was it Shevchenko versus Nunes? Yeah, it was, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I don't get me wrong. I want to see that fight at some point. Um, I just think not yet. Um, I just think there's work to be done in the division that uh, yeah, Valentina's in. To, uh, just having a look. So Shevchenko beat Jennifer Meyer uh, last time out. She beat Ch 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 Chikagian. Um It's been a while since she faced... She beat Jessica Rai. Um She beat Joanna J J Jacek. Um So is Shevchenko not... I thought Shevchenko fought... Um, Right, so Shevchenko fought Nunes back in 2017. Did not think it was that long ago. Jesus. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, I wouldn't um, have thought it was that long ago. Wow. It's kind of four sure, years. I thought Shevchenko fought Calderwood like a while ago. But... Mm. So the first Shevchenko Nunes fight was 2016. Mm. Jesus, we're getting old, mate, to tell you. <laughs> Jesus. Isn't it? Um, so they yeah they could do that. Um, I thought Shevchenko had fought um, 
Calderwood before. Well, I was wrong. Um, so, yeah, I'd be interested in what they do. I guess it makes sense to do Calderwood versus Jennifer Mayer first, perhaps. But then they're not going to do Jennifer Mayer versus Shevchenko again yet because she's just lost to her. So, do you, do you see what I mean? Like, mm. it almost makes sense to do Jojo Calderwood versus Shevchenko. But we'll see. Um, next up then, we had Andrew Sanchez versus Mahmoud Muradov, um, with Muradov picking up the victory via TKO, uh, two minutes 59 of the third round. What, uh, what did you make of this one? Yeah, um, Sanchez's striking abilities come on leaps and bounds. He actually re- really good coming forward. Um, Muradov, as we know, is a really good striker. He's very, very confident. And um, and got good cardio as well, but he got tested in, you know, all of his striking uh, abilities and all of his cardio capabilities. He got tested in all of that with Sanchez. Sanchez just started to wane a little bit. I think he come out in that round three just looking a little bit more tired, and he was just getting hurt a little bit more. I think he actually got hurt towards the latter part of that second round, wasn't it? And then that third round was when things really started to sort of crumble for him. Um, yeah. But that Murdoff is. He's proving a real difficult customer for people to, to deal with. He doesn't do anything super beautiful in, in any way, nothing hugely standing out. But, you know, he seems to be always doing enough. He seems to just squeeze the fight out of people. But, um, you know, I just don't want to take anything away from Sanchez. Sanchez actually impressed me here um, with his performance. Yeah. And um, he was getting his leg attacked, wasn't he, in the early part? And I thought that was going to become an issue for him. But uh, Meredith. I think because he was getting pressured himself by Sanchez so much, just couldn't get target in that leg again um, so freely as he did right at the start. I think Sanchez was coming forward with that cross hand too much, too hard, too often for him to settle to throw that leg um, to make it a consequence um, from from the early onset. So, yeah, both of them done really, really good things. Um, Muradov now, I mean, where's he ranked now? He must be pretty high up. Is he is he breaking through to the higher ranks now? I'd like to see where he's positioned because he's he's pretty tall at the weight. He's he's certainly rangy, and he's just got that style that's going to be difficult for anyone to deal with because trying to get a hold of him when he punches so, and kicks so long, uh, that's not an easy entrance to try and take the guy down either. Yeah, no, they're middleweights. No, in the world. One eight six. No, neither one in the one eight six. Really? Jeez, that's scary, isn't it? When you. Well, you know, you know, think they're fighting there. like that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that was, uh, yeah. This, that goes uh, to show you how stacked these divisions are when you've got talent like incredible. that and they're not even breaking into the top 15. Ooh, scary. Oh, yes, very uh, scary. It's um, a good fight. I thought um, Sanchez looked good to a point and then that second round, I think, just took it out of him a bit. Yeah, the and latter part, I think he got hurt just, in, didn't he? And yeah. got followed up with the hurt in the round three. The and... finish, though, when he does that flying knee, really was beautiful to see from uh, Murdoch. Absolutely. Just caught him right on the bridge of the nose. Then he followed it up with another knee right up under the armpit. Um, yeah. And he just, uh, just too much. Um, but I thought both guys fought a real good fight. Um, yeah. Okay, and then we had uh, Marina Rodriguez versus Amanda Ribas. Oh, my God, mate. Dan Hardy went off on social media on the, about this winner. Uh, about the was that on the, that was on the pre, prelims, right? I must have. Oh, um, no, was it? 
Hang on. Marino. Let me. Let me. Was on the main card. It was the fight before. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Meridoff. It was, oh, that's I think right. It yeah, was yeah. The one with the the weird finish. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, he was. He, she dominated the first round, didn't she? She she mm. got the takedown, um, and was looking like she quite could could. Normally, when you see takedown in the first round, you're never going to be going to probably see the takedowns in the other rounds um, if they controlled the pace. And she did control the pace in that first round. Um, I'm just trying to think, how did the, um, it go in that second round before? Because um, it, oh, what was it that made? The, oh, yeah, that was right. Yeah, uh, this is where Herb Dean sort of like ran in and got too close and she, he connected yeah. with them and, and they thought that the fight had finished. Um, but she was, you know, really, really wobbled. But I actually, I'm going to defend Herb Dean here because if you actually look it back, and I kept looking this back, um, uh, you know, to see what had gone on. Herb Dean didn't put his hands on them. He just got too just close stood, and connected. Yeah, he just yeah, he, he took, like, was him, yeah. rushing in. And, um, yeah, I don't think he was expecting... I think he lost his balance. Um, if yeah. you watch it, just as he goes, he goes around to have a look. Yeah, I'm watching it back now. To have a look, and he just, his one, I think it's his left foot, just kind of, not overbalances like to fall, just, you know, like, yeah. just slight overbalance. So he almost leant over, right in over them without touching them. Yeah. So they I, thought I'm, that he was leaning in to stop it. Yeah, 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 I'm just watching it. I think it's literally because you expect, you know, when the ref touches you, you expect it to be over. But um, yeah, I mean, look, you you got you got to make sure the ref really steps in. It ain't just a touch. The ref's got to step in and get in between yeah, you. Yeah, well, they to normally drag them off, don't they? Yeah, and the referees do give you a rundown in the back room of how he's going to stop it, what he's going to say to you to indicate that he's getting close to stopping it, and so on and so forth. They really do give you the rundown and make it dead clear. Um, if Herb Dean was going to stop it, he would have really intervened. Um, particularly with that incident where, where, you know, she was not in a position to... Yeah, he just kind of um, loses his balance a little bit, I think. Yeah, so, yeah, I don't think Herb Dean really made a mistake here, other than perhaps, you know, get so close and he fell over him almost. But um, Did it I just think it was... Did on the result? No, no. I, I think the fight was going to be done um, no matter what. And it was a great stoppage thereafter that. But um, everyone's yeah, entitled to their opinion. but stoppages when... People are still yep. on their feet like that. That was not a, you know, that was not a decisive stop. The, the girl presumed it was over. Um, it wasn't that, you know, she was carrying on looking for a takedown and trying to connect to try to limit the strike. So, you know, you carry on till the ref steps in, literally. And that's, you know, when he does stop it, like you don't see many stoppages where the fight is still standing. Mm. Um, no, um, I, I think you're seeing it more so now um, than ever before. But yeah, yeah I, you know, I'm looking back at the slow replay. You know, she's grabbing at her legs. I mean, she should never yeah. have stopped fighting until the ref steps in. Kept there. Grabbing her legs, shouldn't she? Yeah, that was a misunderstanding. Yeah, misunderstanding um, of the fighter that was in control. And yeah, that's, that's how I saw it. Yeah, I'll have a quick look at. But yeah, you know, you know, to get back on point. Said. Yeah, but to get back on point. Um, what a great performance! Really, really looked good with her striking. She's she's got the height. She's got the range. And now she's she's getting those credentials for the for the striking and getting that skill set in. Looks super dangerous, super dangerous. Yeah, interestingly, um, I just looking then. Uh, Dan Hardy in his preview of the Conor McGregor fight said that uh, Dan Hardy should uh, Dustin Poirier should target uh, the Conor McGregor's legs. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely man. think that's a target. You know, he's got power in his hands. When someone's got power in their hands, you target the legs so it takes away their base. It's much harder for them to move in range and therefore also move out of range. It's a two-sided sword when you damage someone's legs. You know, suddenly the attacks become few and far between. They become obvious because you're hampered with your stance and your footwork. And likewise, you're hampered on the re uh, on the retraction when you're trying to avoid being hit. It, it immobilizes you. Hmm. I saw um, Herb Dean seems to have got a bit of grief on social media. Not too, like, too, not not as, like, heavy, abusive grief. Sure. Just like a, come on, you know, like a bit like that. Um, it wasn't like when, um, what's it called, Dan Hardy and Paul Felder were screaming for that, stop the fight. Um, mm -hmm. Before, when that, that was really, they were, him and Felder were like, they were really unhappy, weren't they? Um, I yeah. forget what fight it was, but uh, so that was the the main card. Did you watch any of the prelim fights, mate? Uh, let me just so reflect we had, we had, back. Uh, um, no, I don't think I did. But what I did do, which is what something I wanted to talk about, I did oh, look yeah, yeah. back at Mason Jones' fight. Okay, so um, finish on that, mate. What did you make of it? Yeah, wow. Um, I told you it was good, didn't I? What probably the most impressive fight you've ever seen from someone making their debut in UFC. What an absolutely impressive performance. That could have literally gone either or way. You could have quite easily have given that to uh, Mason Jones. Um, one of the toughest, hardest men ever. Um, you know, you can get tough men because they're on the receiving end of punishment and keep going. They're just stubborn to not quit. And then you've got those that are dishing it out and receiving it at the same time, but you don't perturb them. They just keep coming forward. Um, really, really impressive um, test of character and the cardio of both of them. Athletically, Mike Davis is in the absolute peak of uh, physical form. Uh, the power he had on his hands, his kicks, it got great technique as well. But he even made Mike Davis look a little bedraggled at times, mm. um, look, look gasping for air. But even when Mike Davis was looking tired, he's still really dangerous with his striking, really, really dangerous with those knees, jumping knees. I'm very, very impressed with his performance as well. But, um, you know, I don't want to take away the limelight from Mason Jones as he's our very own over here in, in UK, fighting out of Wales. Wow, what a competitor. I mean, <coughs> excuse me, if you wasn't a fan before, you, you will be after watching that performance. But he fights like that all the time. It's just that we've seen him do it now at the higher end of the world-class scene. And, um, boy, this guy, no one's going to want to fight with Mason Jones. It's not going to be a comfortable no. fight. Whether you win, lose, or draw, it's going to be a horrendous experience. Tough dude, it's man. Gonna be, it, yeah, it's going to be real interesting what they match him up with next. Because yeah. I thought he won. I gotta be honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can absolutely give it to him. Um, you really, really could. I think the only reason it went against him was because um, he was choosing the constant pouring approach, and Mike Davis was just doing the things that catch the eye, which was those big knees, jumping knees, yeah. you know, big slapping um, body kicks, and uh, and when he was cracking his shots in, they were fully wound, and he's ripping the shoulders. And the things that Mike Davis were doing were visual, not because they were flamboyant. But because he was done with such power, they were making that 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 sound, that impact impression. 
And don't get me doing Mason Jones was throwing some hard shots at all times, but they were always done because his work rate was so, so, uh, was so, so hard. So maybe it took away a little bit from the impact of the shots that was landing. And believe you me, Mason Jones was landing plenty of his own strikes. But um, yeah, it's such a shame. Um, it's so easily, it's so easily in my mind could still be unbeaten. But look, you know, um, I it's hope that he takes all... the pressure off, though, doesn't it? Yeah, it can do, and and I, and I hope he sees the positive in this performance and he moves forward. He's only going to become a better fighter from it. He's so humble, um, mate. Like, so he, yeah, he could have been really angry, like that. Of course, he felt absolutely. Robbed and maybe things yeah. didn't go his way, and he lost his unbeaten record. It was his UFC yeah. debut, but like he's just so uh, so positive and so humble. Yeah, really um, impressive the way he took it. When you think, you know, we've had Mason Jones on here, we're lucky enough to have him on, and I'm sure we'll have him on again in the future. But, you know, what a, just a nice, good kid, you know, what a nice lad. Mm. And to think that someone that comes across uh, such a pleasant chap can go ahead and throw down like that, whew, that's scary. You would never think it of him, never think it of him. But one of the most gutsiest performances I've ever seen, uh, regards especially being a debut in the UFC. Great performance. Very impressive. Very impressive. Mm. Um, and I look forward to uh, getting Mason on uh, soon once he's recovered, just yeah. to see, uh, get his point of view on everything. Um, very, very quickly then, uh, prediction for next week. Uh, at the moment, we've only got the main event announced, so I'll only ask you about that. Alistair Overeem versus Alexander Volkov. Oh, that's interesting. Volkov's got such good, Isn't it? you know, explosive striking. But I'm going to go Overeem. He's really... I don't know how long he's going to be fighting for now. He's really it, very much showing the twilight years of his career, but he's still managing to find performances and shine. Um, I do think he's more well-rounded. Um, and because he's well, more well-rounded, to me, he's got more ways to win. And so I'm going to say over him. Yeah, I think... Uh, I do think over him will probably win. But just for the sake of competition, I'll go with Alexander Volkov. Um and that's us, mate. Slightly longer than normal, but I think that was expected when we had uh, the champ yeah. champ. And we were talking about the former champ champ's fight. Yeah. Conor McGregor always uh, gives you a lot to talk about. And um, a massive thank you to Jake Hadley, the uh, Cage Warriors World Champion, for joining us. Uh, he didn't disappoint with some uh, some great conversation. I've, <clears throat> I always make a little list of clips, which I want to make, and for later promotion and just to put out on social media and stuff. Uh, it's the longest list I've ever had of uh, clips that I want to put out. So that tells you everything. Uh, Jake was phenomenal, uh, whether it was his input into fights or just his honest opinions on whether it was Luke or the EFC or the UFC, everything. I've, I was captivated from uh, everything he said, I've got to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he conducted himself very, very well tonight, and uh, it was great chatting with him. Um, guys, <laughs> thank you very much for joining us. We'll be back next Wednesday for an all new Danny Batten fight show with an all new guest from the world of fighting, and uh, it is another cracker, another belter. Uh, spread the words, tell your friends, tell people in your gyms, your fight colleagues, uh, coaches, tell them all. We've changed the uh, the the layout slightly, so rather than it just being pure review all the way through and then like bits and pieces, we're going with kind of interview stroke chat with the guest for the first portion 
and then we talk about the the results of the UFC or Cage Warriors or Bellator, whatever it may be, from the night before. Uh, makes for a, an all-round better flow, I think. But uh, indeed, we'll be back next Wednesday. Join us. Spread the word. You're listening to Ace Podcast Nation, the hottest new podcast network and YouTube channel in the UK, featuring original series, top guests, expert analysts, and more. Check out facebook.com forward slash Nation for news on latest guests and shows. Watch every show in full at youtube.com forward slash Nation. Sports Social Podcast Network.